0: When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN.
1: ACAST powers the world's best podcasts.
2: Here's a show that we recommend. For the families of a missing person, every day is tough. The not knowing, the unanswered questions, the devastation which comes in waves. Certain days are tougher than others. For the family of Chad Gibson, Christmas is the hardest time to deal with. Not just because Christmas is a day of togetherness, but because it was Christmas Day when Chad's mum Sharon realised he might be missing.
1: It's like you're living in a dream. You're. Li- this isn't real. I'm going to wake up any minute of the night and Chad's going to be knocking on the door, and I'm going to say, "Oh my days! I had a terrible dream about you last night. It was. It was. It was. It was terrible." But it's not a dream. It's reality. And you just think, "This. This. This isn't happening to me. This is not happening to me." I've, I've still got Chad's Christmas presents, you know. I've still got Chad's Christmas presents in my cupboard, waiting for him.
2: I'm Pandora Sykes, and you're listening to The Missing, a podcast series brought to you with support from the charity Missing People and investigation specialists Locate International. They've joined together to bring you the real stories of real missing people, and they believe everyone could still be solved. And at the end of this episode, we'll be bringing you an update on some of the cases from Series 1. So stay tuned. This is The Missing. Chad Gibson. It's March 2021, and the team at Locate International are hard at work looking for any opportunities that might help them trace missing man Chad Gibson. He's one of the cases they've selected for a review, a case they believe could still be solved. But like any investigation, they don't start with the circumstances of the disappearance. They begin by learning as much as possible about the people central to the mystery. So who was Chad Gibson and what did he like to do? Football.
1: Everything was to do with football. He loved to run and I used to call him Forrest Gump. He was very, very athletic as a child, very loving and a proper mummy's boy, I would say. Mother's Day, he would get up and cook you breakfast and birthdays. He was very, very loving and very, very popular with um, a lot of people. Everyone loved him. He absolutely loved going out um, to Italian restaurants and having carbonara and garlic bread. No matter what what we went out to eat, garlic bread and carbonara, he loved that. I'd say, have something else. No, no, mum, I want this.
2: Sharon Gibson is Chad's mum, and she has fond memories of raising her son and his sister, Katie.
1: We were very close, um, the three of us, as a a little, the three musketeers, really. Um, You know, they'd have little jobs to do, we'd do things together. Every month we'd go to the cinema or Thorpe Park or, you know, we'd always plan something for every month we'd do something. I even took them off to the Caribbean a couple of times and we went to Canada and America, you know, so I wanted them to experience what life would be like if you worked hard, you know, nice food, restaurants, travel, and these are the things I wanted them to grow up and aim for.
2: At that time, the family were living in London. Chad's dad had split from his mum, but they stayed in touch. And when Chad reached the age of seventeen, he decided that spending some time with his dad in Cornwall might be a good idea.
1: I think what it was, London was getting seemed to be getting a little bit out of hand. Thought it would be better for him to go to um, down to Cornwall because he, he was hanging around with a few people that were of not of good character, but he knew them. Um, from school days. And West London, Shepherds Bush, Hammersmith were starting to really pick up with the whole gang thing. Chad was never in a gang. Chad was, Chad was a footballer, you know, and, um, and I just suggested to him, why doesn't he just, you know, get away and go and spend some time with his dad in Cornwall? And that's
2: what he did. The difference couldn't have been more pronounced. Moving from the inner city of the capital to a remote corner of the UK... But Chad seemed to like his new surroundings.
1: Cornwall is a, it's a beautiful place, surrounded by beaches and nature. And, and obviously, as a young boy coming down to stay with his dad, um, you know, this whole nightlife and not so much nightlife, but it was a party time. But it was a safe party time um, in them days. Um, you could go out. You could sit on the beach. You could hang out with your friends. He had his shorts and flip-flops on all the time. I'm, you know, that's, he, even in the winter he'd wear his shorts and flip-flops. He liked, he liked surfing, he liked going to the beach. He liked nature walks, you know, he, he loved to go for walks. He'd walk for hours, just, he, he loved that, you know.
2: And so Sharon decided to make the move to Cornwall herself to the small town of St Austell, not far from Newquay. Newquay could keep a youngster on their toes. The town became renowned as a hotspot for stag parties, where drinks would flow and tempers could often flare in the bars and clubs. But Sharon didn't move there to keep an eye on her son. Chad, perhaps more than most teenagers, was already tuned in to spot danger and take precautions. I would
1: say he was very streetwise compared to you know somebody who's never been to London. There were a lot of people in Cornwall who haven't even experienced the tubes in London or are going off to, say, Hyde Park or anything like that or or even down to um, Spotting Trouble before it even happened. I, I'd say, yeah,
2: Chad, Chad, Chad was clued up about that. By the time Chad was in his mid-20s, his life had changed dramatically. He'd met a woman and become a dad to a baby girl.
1: He, he wanted to be a dad and, you know, and tried to, you know, do the best for his, his daughter, Renee. And he wanted the best for Renee. He wanted Renee to, you know, go on holiday. He wanted to do a lot for, for Renee, you know, and... Um, he wanted to, to give her the best things. Like, he really enjoyed, he loved taking her swimming. And she used to say to him, Daddy, why are we walking for miles? Can we not? Because it's good for you.
2: Chad and his partner broke up, but their daughter always came first.
1: Obviously, the relationship between um, his daughter's mother and him had, that had broken down, but they still remained friends, and he still... Um, contacted um, his daughter and um, took her
2: away and done the things that dads really do. As 2015 drew to a close, Chad was looking to the future. He was 32, single, with no worries in life and some big plans for the year to come.
1: He was looking forward because he was just waiting to get a new flat um in UK which would have made it nearer to his daughter's school and he was quite excited about that. He had things to look forward to in January. A lot of things to look forward to.
2: The night of December the 18th, Chad's optimism appeared to be well placed. He went for a night out and met someone. He went out and he
1: met a uh, a girl. Um he, And I have to kind of say this, um, Chad wasn't a kind of player type of guy. Um, A lot of people were interested in him, but he was more focused on his daughter and a relationship there. But he went out and he met a girl, which he never tells me, like, you know, anything because that's not really him. And he he come back on the 19th, he told me that um, he met this girl, he really liked her. He's got a telephone number and, you know, and I went, oh, OK. You know, he, he was quite excited about it, to be, to be perfectly honest with you.
2: The following morning, Chad was heading out again into the small town of St Austell. It was the last Saturday before Christmas. Perhaps he had some last minute Christmas shopping to do or friends to meet. At 32, Chad wasn't in the business of telling his mum everything he was doing, and Sharon didn't think to ask. And he brushed his teeth, got changed. and she said, Mum, I'm going, I, I'll
1: see you later. And it started to rain slightly, and I said to him, do you want an umbrella? He goes, no, no. And he goes, see you later. And that's the last time I saw my son. I think it was about 11 o'clock, 11-ish. It was the last weekend before Christmas. Everyone was out, um, you know, celebrating our, our Christmas dues or parties and stuff like that. A lot of holiday makers were down visiting families. A lot of firms were having their, their Christmas dues. Um, so so it was very, very, very busy. So I just assumed that really, that, that you know, he was out having
2: fun like everyone else at that time of year. But that night, Chad didn't come home. Sharon didn't wait up. She'd see him soon enough, she thought, and she'd get an update on how things were going with the new girl he'd met.
1: It's not unusual for Chad to, to say, maybe link up with some friends and, and come home the next day. He, he would probably ring me. You know, so it wasn't, you know, I, I just assumed that he'd be, he'd be back either that night or, or on Sunday, or Monday the latest.
2: But those days came and went, and Chad still didn't come home. The gut instinct that we often talk about in this series was niggling at Sharon, but she tried hard to suppress it. And consoled herself with the thought that Chad was a grown man and could do whatever he wanted to do. I started to panic a little bit on the
1: Monday, and um, I rang my daughter, and she said, "Well, you know, Chad he's probably I. Right. He's probably with friends." It's and I and I spoke to other people, and they said, "Well, you know, he's a grown man. He's thirty-two. I know, but I haven't heard anything. Yeah, but he's probably he's probably with this girl that he said that he met. You know." and and this is what people were telling me but i had this feeling in my in my gut something wasn't right but i thought you know Ch- if chad if chad probably was about 16 i would have been more panicky like um i probably would have called the police or something you know but i thought he's he's, he's a 32 year old man and he's he's talked about this girl he's probably with this girl you know he he'll
2: be in touch and and that's what i i thought Christmas was already mapped out for Chad and Sharon, or so Sharon had thought. They were due to be travelling across to Watford, just north of London, to spend Christmas with Chad's sister. But on the Saturday before Chad had left the house, he'd made a change to those plans. He
1: actually did say to me on the Saturday that he wasn't going to Watford, that he decided that, you know, he didn't want to go to Watford. He wasn't going. And I said, why? And he said, I just I, I just don't want to go, Mum. I'm just not feeling that. And that's exact, that, that was his exact words to me. And I'm thinking it's to do with this girl that he met that he really likes. So I'm thinking, you know, he's probably wants to spend Christmas. He's probably met this girl, you know. Um, maybe they're getting to know each other a little bit more. And he wants to spend Christmas with this girl. This is what I'm thinking in my head. Even my own daughter said to me, Mum, he'll be fine. Just come down, you know, he's got the keys, you know, there's plenty of food in the house, you know, he's a grown man.
2: Why didn't Chad want to go to Watford? What was keeping him in Cornwall? Was it really the girl he'd met just a few days before? Or had that new relationship, in fact, been going on a little longer than Chad was letting on? Or was there another reason? With a decision to be made, Sharon decided she would continue with her Christmas plans. She took the bus to Watford and spent Christmas Eve with her daughter. But all the while she was waiting for a call from Chad. But it was a call that never came. Christmas Day, I totally panicked. That was it.
1: I didn't get a message. I didn't get a happy Christmas mum or anything. And I'm ringing my landline at home thinking he'll pick up nothing. And I started ringing around. Has anyone seen him? Has he, you know, I rang up his ex and I said, have you heard from Chad? Has he rang his daughter? And um, and everyone said no. So at that stage, I rang Devon and Cornwall Police. And I said, I'm, I'm not being, I'm just ringing up to find out, you, you know, it's my son in custody, because I'm thinking, did he get arrested? Um, did he let like, go away over the, the Christmas, get drunk, or, or get arrested, or anything like that? And they said, no, we haven't got anyone. My gut instinct was telling me, no, I need to get home, I need to get home. I even tried to get home on, you know, Christmas Day. Didn't even eat Christmas dinner. Didn't eat Christmas dinner, just wanted to get home. The time couldn't, I could not
2: wait. To, to get on that coach to get back home again. Christmas Day felt like an eternity. Sharon was in London, helpless, unable to search and without any answers. The next day, Boxing Day, she got the first bus she could get back to Cornwall. I remember coming back from Watford um, on the coach,
1: this feeling of just panic, panic and just I just want to get home I just want to get home the coach couldn't get to sort of sin quick enough for me I was just just in a panic I need to get home I need to get home you know and while I was on the coach I'm still trying to ring people have you heard from Chad have you heard from Chad no no but can, can can you start putting out the feelers, asking other people and when I got home I opened the door and I'm thinking oh you know, even if there's a cup on the side, he's been home, he's, you know, he's had a cup of tea or he's had something and,
2: and there was no sign of him whatsoever. He hadn't been home at all. Sharon immediately contacted the local Devon and Cornwall police. They duly took a report, but a 32-year-old male reported missing on Boxing Day wasn't treated as an emergency.
0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
2: Chad had last been seen on the 19th of December. It was now a week since anyone could account for his movements. Sharon urged the police to do more. I'm starting to really panic
1: now because I'm thinking, I know that my Chad would ring me on Christmas Day. I know that. And, I, and we'd already had plans for New Year's. New Year's Eve come and nothing. After New Year's, I started checking his bank account and obviously no money's been taken out of his bank account. And that, that's when I literally, uh, I was in the darkest place. I, I can't even describe it, to be, to be
2: fair with you. It was, it's like you've just been hit by a train. Sharon was desperate to know where Chad was. But she wasn't yet thinking the worst. That was until the police asked her to check an item of clothing they'd recovered nearby.
1: Just literally up the road from where I live, we have like a little river. And um, they found a shirt and they wanted me to go and identify this shirt. And then I said, well, well, why? He said, well, just in case Chad went into the river like fell over the bridge and I was like what what are you talking about so I went and looked at it It wasn't Chad sure and I said to the police officer what's going on he said well we don't believe anything bad's happened to Chad we think he's just in somewhere he's probably in somebody's house something like that or you know it's it's Christmas it's new year he's probably
2: out partying and, and having a great time Sharon knew that Chad wasn't partying. A day or two, yeah, okay, she could believe it. But for two weeks, over Christmas, there had to be another explanation. But while Sharon was convinced that Chad wasn't just living it up somewhere, the police were still relying on the statistics, treating him as a missing person who would likely return. Many families will report a loved one missing, convinced the only explanation can be something sinister, before they are reunited a day or a week later. It's the sheer scale of missing persons cases, the numbers who disappear each and every day, which makes it so challenging for the police to assign all the resources to the right cases, to know when to rely on statistics and when to assume the worst. For Sharon, the days and weeks that followed were a living nightmare. It's like
1: you're living in a dream. You're. This isn't real. This is. I'm going to wake up any minute now. I'm going to wake up any minute now, and Chad's going to be knocking on the door, and I'm going to say, "Oh my days! I had a terrible dream about you last night. It was. It was. It was. It was terrible." But it's not a dream. It's reality, and you just think this. This. This isn't happening to me. This is not happening to me. My heart is totally breaking. I'm panicking. I. Just want my son I just I just wanted to know my son was okay
2: as with many missing person inquiries, the police decided an appeal in the media could do some good. They hoped that someone in the community might know what had happened, so they asked Sharon to do a press conference chad if you're if you're
1: right there and you're watching this. Your Christmas presents are here. I'm waiting for you. Please make contact with me, or if you don't want to make contact with me, make contact with someone just to let us know that you're you're safe and well. I was hoping that it would, you know, somebody would would come forward to tell me where where Chad is. Um, that's what I was hoping for. That's the whole reason of doing this appeal was to to bring. To bring Chad home, or, or if Chad was somewhere, please get in contact, you know. Um, you're not in trouble, just just make make contact, just so I know you're okay. Th- that was the whole point of me doing the whole media appeal. It wasn't the fact that I'd be, I didn't think I'd be here five years down the line, talking to you, and I'm still in the same position I was um, five years ago. Nothing's changed. Chad is still missing, and there's
2: no leads. With nothing coming from the media appeal, Sharon and her friend Kelly had to do everything they could think of to find Chad. All they knew was that Chad had gone into St Austell. But then they got a breakthrough. My friend Kelly,
1: who got on social media, put it out there that Chad was missing, anyone seen Chad
2: and somebody come forward and said, yeah, I was with him in the central. So Chad had been seen on the day he went missing. In a pub called the Central in Newquay, me and Kelly jumped in the car, went straight down there, and um,
1: I spoke to the manager. And yeah, he was in the Central that night, and he was on the CCTV. The Central is a is a pub, a well known a, a well known pub, a very nice pub in Newquay. All the young people go there. Um, you know, it's not a rough pub. Um, you can go in there. You can eat. Um, it's, it's it's a nice pub um and that's where chad went that evening um it's in Newquay, it's in the center it's called um, the central because it's in the center of Newquay. he he'd gone in there he'd met a, he'd met one of a friend who was on a work do and chad was talking to him and said i have met the, this girl i really like her and this guy was standing next to chad at the bar And turned around, said, "Who works in um, works in one of the restaurants?" And Chad went, "Yeah." And he goes, "Well, that's my on-off girlfriend." Sort of confronted Chad about the girl, and Chad said, "Listen, mate, I don't want any problems. You know, I didn't know she had a boyfriend or an on-off boyfriend. And um, you know, can I get you a drink? You know, I'm, I'm I'm sorry. I
2: I didn't know. I didn't know." It seemed the girl that Chad had taken a shine to might have been in a relationship with someone else. And Chad had been overheard talking about her. We've bleeped out the name of the girl to protect her identity. Apparently,
1: Chad went into the toilet. Um, They followed him in there and they pushed him. And um, there was like a confrontation and they took a photograph of Chad. They took a photograph of him, which I find very, very strange. Why would you take a photograph of my son? You know, what was, the, what was the purpose of that? And then Chad left. So he left just after six o'clock and headed up towards um, the headland.
2: What happened in the toilets isn't totally clear. Some reports have said there was a scuffle, but it wasn't serious. Chad left the pub of his own volition and walked away. Sharon told the police what she'd learned. Knowing where Chad had been seen, police could then refine their search area, away from St Austell and into the larger town of Newquay. They focused their search on the CCTV cameras around the central pub. And sure enough, they found footage.
1: Yeah, the last sighting of him, looking through a shop window, as you, know, you look at yourself and you kind of maybe... You know, straighten yourself up and look at yourself. Do I look okay? Um, that one. And then the last one is him crossing a little, little right, not a proper big roundabout like you have in London. It's like a little tiny roundabout um, um, and crossing the road towards a little pizzeria, little tiny pizzeria. And that's the last CT footage of him. It was about quarter, between six and quarter past six, tea time. He left the central.
2: And he's walking on his own, yeah. A handful of images showing Chad looking at his reflection in a shop window, walking away, crossing a mini roundabout and heading away from the central pub.
1: He could have walked out of there and maybe thought, oh, I don't want to get into anything. Um, I'm on my own. There's three of them and there's only one of me. So I'm just going to head up
2: this way. Whatever the motives, the CCTV gave the police something to focus their search on. But the baffling thing was that there was no more CCTV of Chad, anywhere. From being seen walking away from one pub at just after 6pm, where did Chad go? This is the thing, I, I, I don't
1: understand. What, how can you disappear off the face of the earth and that one corner and there's loads out there's loads of cctv footage why has he not been picked up on um, any other cctv footage I, that's what i don't understand somebody must have seen something they, they must have you know for instance if somebody was to come along in a van and try and bundle him into a van or something like that somebody would have seen that and, and chad's six foot three and chad you know, there would have been noise. You wouldn't have just been able to push him into a van, you know, and stuff like that. So if there was a fight, people would have seen that. And this is the thing, there was, there's, there's absolutely nothing. It's like he just disappeared off the face of the earth. It wasn't three o'clock in the morning or four o'clock and everyone's blattered or Chad was drunk or everyone was drunk and, you know, there was an accident. No, this was just, just after six
2: o'clock. Tea time. Sharon is realistic about what may have happened. She recognises that after five years of being missing, there's at least a 50-50 chance that Chad was attacked and killed that night. Though she still can't understand how or why. Of course. I would rather know. I, of co- That's my
1: child. You know, this is I know to a lot of people it's it's just a missing person and they don't know but this is my child. This is somebody I carried, somebody I taught to to do his shoelaces, to to do his ABC with, took him football. This is my child. Of course, I'd want to know either way because if he is out there and he's not on this planet anymore, I'd like to bury him and I'd like to know that he's at rest and I can go visit his grave. But if he is out there and he's healthy, happy, safe and loved, I'm I'm happy for him as well, you know. So, yeah, I, 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 I need to know because, you know, I'm, nothing's changed since the day he walked out the door. Nothing's changed. This is five years on. And my heart, my heart is broken and I just hold it together just, just a little bit because, you know, because that's my, that's, that's my baby. My baby's missing. It's not a dog, it's not a cat. It's a, it's a human being. It's, it's my baby boy.
2: Murder is clearly a possibility. And the clash that Chad had in the pub gives Sharon cause for concern. But it's not the only scenario. With Newquay located on the coast, speculation is rife that Chad may have ended up in the sea.
1: Police called me in on the 24th of March um, 2016, and they sat down and they said that, you know, they're no longer actively searching for Chad. Um, you know, that, the, you know, he could have jumped off a cliff. And I was like, why would he jump off a cliff? You know, why, why would he do that? You know, oh, he could be in the sea and he will turn up eventually. Well, you know, five years down the line, you know, why would he be in the sea? Oh, you know, and then it's like, you know, all these different scenarios of, um, hi, Chad, what could have happened to Chad? Well, there's no theory on any of them. You know, there's there's no
2: evidence. Sharon is adamant that Chad had no cause to disappear. He was looking forward to what the new year held the potential of a new relationship, and continuing life with his young daughter. And Sharon is sure that not even an unexpected ending of this new relationship, before it had really began, would be cause for Chad to do anything drastic. Instead, she believes someone in the community may know what happened. And she's urging them to speak up. You
1: know, loyalties change with people, you know? Um somebody might have wanted to say something and and, and were frightened to say something if if something happened um, because they want to be loyal but you know it's five years now and you know I I have this thing the truth will come out you know I I always believed in that the truth will come out one day I'm I'm hoping that somebody who has got a, a bit of a conscience will just make that phone call and say yeah this is what I know I've still got Chad's Christmas presents, you know. I've still got Chad's Christmas presents in my cupboard,
2: waiting for him. Since Chad went missing, the whole ordeal has had a huge impact on Sharon. She was diagnosed with cancer, something which sharpened her focus and desperation to get answers. That's not
1: the real me. The person... I'm a total different person to what I was. When, before Chad went missing, I'm not the same person I used to be. And, you know, I'm I'm recovering from cancer and I don't want to, I don't want to die and not know where my child is. So please, please, just let
2: me know. Now Locate International have taken on Chad's case. They've assigned a team of criminology students to pore over the details of the case. And they're looking at whether any opportunities might exist for further investigation. Locate will pass on any information they get to the police. They're acting as an additional resource, who have the time and manpower to go over everything with a fresh pair of eyes. And they want you, the listener at home, to bring any information forward that you have visit our website, themissingpodcast.org, where you can find more information about Chad's case and every other case from the series. Our website also has information on missing people, the invaluable charity who support the families of the missing. They work tirelessly to help hundreds of families every single year, and they operate a 24-hour helpline for people who are missing, thinking of going missing, or searching for a loved one. And now for an update on the cases we covered in season one. Our first episode of The Missing covered the case of Charles Horvath-Allen and heard from his mum, Denise. Since we aired, the story has received renewed coverage in Canada where Charles was last seen. A dedicated team have been reviewing the facts of the case there. And Denise is hoping that a change in the COVID rules will allow her to make one more trip to Canada in search of answers. In episode three, we told the story of Bernadette Cooper, with the help of her nephew Leon. Since that episode aired, several listeners approached us with ideas of how to garner more information, including a poster campaign, which was then focused on the pub in London where Bernadette was last seen, and suggesting people who may have frequented the same places as Bernadette. Locate have been passing information on to the police. Episode six saw one of the biggest responses to the story of Susie Lamplew. Some listeners got in touch to say they believed it possible that Susie hadn't gone to Shorrell's Road at all, and that the entry in her work diary was a foil for a trip elsewhere. We looked into those claims and found an ex-detective who supports them. He claims to have found more evidence and is passing it on to the police. But as yet, the evidence that shows Susie to be elsewhere has not been made public. We also had a big response to episode 7: The story of Lana Purcell. Her disappearance in London didn't attract the same level of attention as Susie, with many listeners agreeing that because Lana had struggled with drug addiction and was known to the police, that her case may not have been covered the same way as had she been a middle-class professional. Goldsmiths University have now assigned a team to investigate Lana's case following our episode. Finally, The team at Locate International have welcomed several listeners of this podcast as new volunteer investigators, and they're continuing with regular presentations on the cases we feature to members of their online forum. If you'd like to get more information and regular updates, find the Locate forum via our website, themissingpodcast.org. The Missing is a What's the Story? original podcast series. It's presented by me. Pandora Sykes. The episodes are produced and edited by Jack O'Kennedy. The executive producers for What's the Story Sounds are Daryl Brown and Sophie Ellis.
1: ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we
2: recommend.
1: ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.
2: Don't
0: forget if you want to hear The Missing completely ad free and get them first, then
2: join The Missing Plus. Your subscription helps to keep the show on air. It isn't funded by any major platform, and it grows purely by word of mouth and support from listeners you'll get exclusive access to
0: series you can't hear anywhere else, as well as early access to all
2: episodes of The Missing, completely ad-free. Signing up is really easy. Just search Missing Plus in Apple Podcasts or follow the link in the show notes.